0: All right, we're present. Hey. <laughs> Here. This is Ergo. It is. I'm Kiss. You are. And you're Damon. I, I am Damon. Everything is confirmed. Yes.
1: I just I want to make sure that there's consistency mm-hmm. and people know that it's the truth.
0: Yeah. Every week, you can go back and listen. For now, a while. Now. Like for years. There was a while where I was Daniel and you were Damon. Yeah.
1: I am now Kiss. You are Kiss. Yeah. I, I, I still have some Dame Damon fluidity.
0: Mm hmm. <laughs> You've all been more fluid <laughs>
1: I have to step into the day but It doesn't come uh, It doesn't come always
0: Well this week A big change happened Is that you encouraged me To actually change my I did Twitter and Instagram I did. It Which I did And you did it instantly and, yeah. and how does it feel You are now Ergo Kiss Yeah I mean it's working out Pretty well First <laughs> of all you can follow me At Ergo Kiss On everything But uh I've gotten a little bit Of pushback uh, From uh Shout out to Rosie I, I She seems She's smart. not anti She just likes That it's my name Liking her pictures Uh but, you know, that's if we had a private social media <laughs> <laughs> like system yeah. that was just the two of us, which is us texting, then that's fine. <laughs> um, but this is not what we usually do here. What we usually do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and the more creative. Usually, those conversations are great. And usually, those guests are on time. That is not the case today. That is not. We have a wonderful guest. Very special person. We, is, we don't even take it personally yeah no it's, it's fine it's it's the game it's fine it's you know it's what we get for trying to book a lawyer you know you know we've had one this is we've had bad luck with lawyers i think a lot of people have had bad luck with lawyers. <laughs> but we had eddie sanders on and oh, that yeah. didn't record that half didn't. of it and today's guest is going to be Brendan schiller when he's up here he's a incredible advocate and attorney for people who need his help all over the city he's also been one of the lead attorneys in the no cop academy work. So we're excited to talk to him about that and more once he does find his way up here. But that might be uh might be a little while. So for now you're stuck with us. How you doing, Dame? I'm doing pretty
1: good, man. I'm uh I'm taking life's adversities, eat you know, getting right back up off the mat. Do you want to share where
0: where you were right before? Just this? now, yeah. just what
1: I called you and how uh-huh. I was almost late. Uh-huh. Uh so I often stay with my girlfriend at Hyde Park and she has one of those apartment buildings that mm-hmm. they talk about. Um, <laughs> I've heard about that. <laughs> and this apartment building has like a little double door situation to get inside. So I have a key to her apartment but I don't have a key to the building doors. Right. But there's like a buzzer so I can at get At what in
0: point and in the out. relationship do you think she'll give you one of those? <laughs> it's like
1: a name on the lease no, I type of I'm situation. Just, just and you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. try to keep my name off as much paper as possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Damon doesn't even write his name.
1: You know? Uh, all my mail still goes to my mom. I've lived in a few places since then. Every time oh, I, I need tell people
0: that. Every time I need a signature on a W nine, it's an invisible ink. Which is really <laughs> difficult from a tax standpoint. Yeah. But so, that's the
1: plan. So I lay low, right? So I get to I get to <laughs> buzz <laughs> I get to buzz in, you know, bang code, doop, 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 in mm-hmm. and out, into the apartment. Yeah, no problem. And so on the way out today, it's a double door situation. You need a key for both doors. I'm past the front door trying to get to the second door and the little like push button push lever to push the door open from being locked to Mm -hmm. open is not working right now and so that means i was trapped in a glass box (laughs) and it felt really silly to be looking at outside and ready yeah ready to go and i had to just like call people i had to like try to get somebody for a stranger to come up and ring. So why puzzle? couldn't
0: you go back out the door that you came in? Because that is locked by the key. You need a key for both doors. Even from the inside you need a key to get back out.
1: Yes. Yes, because it's like a little lobby situation yeah. where the mailboxes are. Yeah. And to get into the actual like lobby and residence, that's a second key situation. So
0: how long were you standing in this glass box of emotion? Probably like
1: <laughs>
0: Probably like fifteen minutes, man. And we're gonna
1: talk about, <laughs> you know, no cap I mean, for those who don't know, like, you know, not to compare at all. <laughs> <laughs> to you know, <laughs> where well, you've been going, the through. carceral state, yeah. and like you know, you know everything. Is mm-hmm. But just the human or any animal, any living thing, experience of being trapped. Yeah, it was, it was, it was startling. Yeah, it's not a good feeling because I didn't realize I was trapped at first. It was trapped on by surprise which I guess most traps
0: are I think we do (laughs) we do a really good job of keeping everything from becoming a metaphor Uh, I think that's like a dangerous trap when you're someone who talks a lot is that everything it's something I actually feel like when I'm traveling or like when something like I'm recuperating from something traumatic like and, and in a moment of like heightened awareness, mm-hmm. I find myself like everything becomes a symbol. Everything becomes a metaphor. And sometimes I have to remind myself, no, like a locked door is just a locked door. But in this case, I like the metaphor. It's, it, it's, it, it wasn't even like a metaphorical.
1: It's like, just the feeling. It's like, I, I think it was just a, a realization. Mm-hmm. Um, because at first, it f- I, the the like instinct, it felt very animalistic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like a, a wild animal that got trapped by some crazy mm-hmm. hunters from like Wyoming or something. Mm-hmm. Right? And then as I'm sitting there for a second, like, b- being aware of, like, anxiety levels and, like, the physiology of, like, yeah. your sus- your mental state, yeah. I was, like, being very conscious of my breathing, like, trying not to let it stress me out. Yeah. But, a- but if I hadn't been doing that, I-, I know that it would have been physically affecting me. It was yeah. just, like, 10, 15 minutes. I didn't know how long it would be. Right. And then I started to think, oh, yeah, that's why I say that this shouldn't
0: happen to anybody. Right because not to mention all the other people but even just that reality of oh, not like, being this able, is like bad. having that this agency is, taken away this is away. torture
1: this is like right. this is this is not something we are are meant to be able to cope with yeah well yeah and so yeah it was it was wild i was locked in a box but you know i was not locked up i'm not i'm
0: not making that claim i'm not feeling like Mark. but
1: it was just wild and so i had to call you because i was late that's the thing yeah i had somewhere to go
0: so the long story short brendan's making you look good right now yeah you walked in about two minutes before the show started i've been Mm -hmm. here since last thursday (laughs) i I mostly live here at this point um here
1: or like in a different time zone.
0: Exactly. That's I'm either at WHBK or on the moon. <laughs> While we're here, we might as well do some Announce community. the community. Yeah, some stuff happening in between WHBK and the moon. Yep. Um, first and foremost, tonight at Chitlaline Gallery, that's 2005 South Blue Island Avenue, is a fundraiser for the 72, um, I guess I can say that in sentence, 72 Migrant and Refugee Shelter. Um, that's going to be a really good show. And Sh- fundraiser, come shut through up, 7 p.m. Up. to midnight. Shout out, Jana, for putting that together. Tomorrow night, that's June 1st. Uh, start kicking off the new Emporium pop-up up in Logan Square, Party Noir, starting a a party. Ah. Uh, that's tomorrow night at 2367 North Milwaukee, starting at 9 p.m. Then Saturday, Rick Wilson does yeah. a headlining release hey. show at... Uh, I believe it's I believe it's at Lincoln Hall. It's at Lincoln Hall for sure. I, with, I know it is. <laughs> wow, <well>, confirmed. Yes, <laughs> with Victor and Family Reunion, hosted by the very funny Odinaka. Get your tickets for that. Uh, and then Sunday at seven PM, the Great Return of Church on the Nine. Shout out Charles Whoa, Preston bringing it back. Slipped by me. Uh huh. 79th and Cottage. And then uh, tomorrow, I kind of jumped out of order because this got sent to me last. Um, in response, I don't know if you'll remember, a couple months back, there was a shooting here by mm-hmm. UChicago mm-hmm. PD, um, shooting a student who was having a mental health episode, as all indicated, allegedly. Um, and there is an action... At the Alumni House. Yes, that's 5555 South Woodlawn Avenue here in the middle of the campus. I believe it's also like reunion weekend or something Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. It's called Invest in Us, a day of action and community. Hashtag Care, not cops. That's Friday, June 1st at 2 p.m. So go through. uh, And I know those organizers have reached out to a whole bunch of folks to try to connect what's happening on this campus to what's happening. I shall the be city. there. You're going to be there. I shall be wow, there. Wow, a rare Damon sighting, yes. not at WHBK or his house. But it's very close. <laughs> <laughs> to both. Yeah. <laughs> Your orbit might be even smaller uh, than mine. Uh, so I just got word that our guest is in the building, but it's word. a big building. So I'm going to play a song and uh, we'll bring him up here. The song is by an artist named Omar Apollo, who I really like. He's from the Chicagoland area. I just dropped a new project. Here's kind of the lead single of it. It's called Ignoring. You're listening to Ergo WHBK. There Yes. back here on Ergo WHBK, yep, yep. Our very special and somewhat late guest is in the building. We're excited to have him here. Uh, the advocate, attorney, and just all-around force for justice, Brennan Schiller's here.
2: Thank you for having me. I apologize for being late. Uh, it's, it's no okay. problem.
0: You're, I'm sure you were very busy.
2: I was. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, believable.
0: <laughs> um, so we always like to start... Uh, it's start like rappers. <laughs> we were saying... You know, we've had many different people up here who do many different things, and who would have thought that the rappers would be here earlier than the lawyers? (laughs) Except for
1: Rick Wilson. You still have not beat the Rick Wilson Rick
0: Wilson, 20 minutes late to your interview. (laughs) So so y'all good. Uh, We always like to start our show the same way. In this day, in this moment, this season, how is the world treating you, and how are you treating the world?
2: Um, I I think the world is treating me pretty good. I mean, the world's treating me very fairly. of course, I have all the advantages and privileges that would that that would anticipate that. Yeah, but in, yeah. in, in addition to that, I think, uh, despite everything that's going on in the world and all the craziness in this country, um, that that's creating unnecessary divisions. I, I like how the world's treating me. Um, I'm treating. I treat the world in general probably better than I treat the people around me in the world. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, that that's a fact. But so you know, I, I'm doing the best I can for the world, even if it overshells some of the people, uh, some of the things I'm not doing for the people in my world.
0: It's a tough balance, right? Because those people are technically the world. <laughs> <laughs> technically. <laughs> <laughs> so it all, like, if you're going to treat the world, the people are part, yeah, you know you know what I'm, I'm yeah. getting at. So it, let, let's kind of jump into this moment and, and what you're really engaged in, specifically around the No Cop Academy campaign. Um, you know, we're, we're talking to you a week after one of the most kind of widely publicized and and, and highly focused on moments in all the work that's been happening for months. Um, First off, can you kind of just give a little summary of where we stand now from either overall or the perspective of the work you do?
2: Sure. Well, so my specific role on No Cop Academy had to do with uh, some legal arguments they were making based on basically a lack of democratic process. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the cop Academy, uh, with the arguments that the city's making, that this is both necessary for training and, um, Economic development. I think both of those arguments are facile, or wrong, or specious. Um, it's not necessary for training. What's necessary for training is better training, right. um, and it's not community <laughs> development. Um, you know, taking a bunch of government workers who spend little time in the building and no money in the building, and no time and no money in the community surrounding the building, and moving them from one part of the west side to another part of the west side is not economic development.
0: Not to mention what their job is. Right. That's the other piece.
2: Um. So. So all that aside, my actual. W- I stepped in legally because the second phase of funding, um, of funding allocation, of funding appropriation, mm-hmm. they, uh, the the no cap, no cop academy coalition has been doing a very good job organizing, um, and it, it created a reaction by the city. They wanted to shut down debate, and and so they violated the Open Meetings Act, mm-hmm. um, and we were able to take advantage of that by filing a lawsuit, which really created a platform for more publicity on this, mm-hmm. and and ended up. Ultimately, switching in all the mag vote. So slowly but surely, that's how these things happen. Right. Um, you know, it was it was Carlos Ramirez Rosa, and then it was Ricky Munoz by the end of the week, and and who knows next week maybe right. it'll be somebody else. So, so it's it we're just building it. It's just building politically. Frankly, in terms of the legal strategy, we're, I'll be talking to all of my clients, both well, some individual folks and in the organizational folks, this afternoon. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm, there's not a whole lot. This isn't a legal issue. Right. It's a political issue.
0: Right. So in understanding kind of your role in that, um, you know, this is not the first time that you are a a person kind of serving that role. And in and, and the same way that, you know, we say we need people who can paint banners and lead marches and come up with strategy and all that. Like, it, I think what you do and from the outside, the way I've seen you approach things is a perfect example of how like we need everyone and we need everyone's skills. So just kind of on like a, theory level how do you think about your work in the context of social movement
2: yeah so it, 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 that's a good question because it's difficult cuz the truth is day to day mostly what i'm doing is i'm doing criminal defense and civil rights i'm suing cops and mm-hmm. and and the best way to explain that is at best harm mitigation right you're just right. part of the system trying to reduce some of the harm that the mm-hmm. system causes um you know theoretically you're seeking justice but you don't, you don't get changed. Hopefully every once in a while you get justice for one person. Right. Um, you impact, you help out one person, but it, it doesn't change the system. And there's a good argument to be made; it reinforces the system, even when you win, especially when you win, mm-hmm. right? There's an argument to be made. What do you, what do you the mean system.
1: by that? What would be that argument?
2: Well, if 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 every once in a while you make a justice where there's an injustice, then that just that just creates the fodder for the people who support the system. Say, see, the system works.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So when it comes to some of the other stuff that I do, so so, but but. But we do the civil rights and the criminal defense to make enough money to free me up to do the other things, right? So I'm one of the attorneys working on the consent decree negotiations, and again, it's going to be a very imperfect vehicle with a very imperfect result. Uh, but we're event- let's
1: just assume ignorance, okay, and, and, sure. and get the, the
2: consent decree. So, so, so there's actually three lawsuits. Well, actually, let me go back. Um, <laughs> The city is there was Dude, this is how it works. <laughs> the deal. the Department of Justice, the Obama Department of Justice came out with a report that said what well, we all know right. knew, mm-hmm. which is that the City of Chicago Police Department is screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um at the time there was began some negotiations for a federal consent decree with Department of Justice and City of Chicago, um, where like they have in Baltimore, New Orleans, Seattle, other places whereby the city would agree to a certain set of rules and mm-hmm. uh that the, the government would enforce. Trump gets Trump gets elected. Sessions says we don't need no damn yeah. uh consent decrees. Uh then there's three lawsuits. One is by the state of Illinois one is by four community groups represented by ACLU and one is by a bunch of individuals actually, I think you all probably know all of the individuals or most of them it 's like uh, Shantae, the d j and 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 yep. rachel jackson and yeah. and manny campbell and then and then nine organizations, including NAACP urban League black lives matter and so that 's the group I represent along with um, along with University of Chicago and Northwestern and some other attorneys, and and Jeanette Samuels, and we're trying to, we've basically been in a four-way negotiation for a year, trying to get our consent decree. And as you can imagine, the people we represent have some of the most creative solutions in terms of um, you don't need police responding to mental health and, and drug issues. You can have a five one one, and that's non police mental health personnel responding right. to those issues. Right. Um, but th- since it's a four way negotiation and the state has the most power, right. what we're really mostly trying to in- do is in- influence the state and the city when they come up with their ultimate consent mm-hmm. decree. So, so my role is to both try to do legal things that have a long-term impact, but also be allowed to be used as a legal strategy in larger political strategies. Mm-hmm. So both when it comes to the no cop academy and the consent decree stuff, we realize that those are just legal strategies that are actually part of a larger political strategy. Right.
1: And so, correct me if I'm I'm wrong, or if I just connect, like I'm a, a dot connector when I need it, like- You've
0: been known to connect, I, I some,
1: connect dots. some dots. I connect some dots you know the the the, the moment of the, the obama department of justice like you know i think it was ferguson baltimore and chicago right uh so that was like a a a political like performative run that was happening there. then there was a, a switch up and so the 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 no the, the or the cop academy uh is in some ways in response to some of those findings of, oh, the kind of reformist approach is that the cops need to be better trained. So we're going to invest the resources In to address the problems of the Department of Justice. Or is that kind of a, a that, overconflation?
2: That, I, I think that's, that, that's an accurate analysis. I would say um, another way to say it is whenever there's an impetus to change, there's always two reactions. There's the folks who want to figure out real change, and there's the folks who want to use that as a benefit to frame what they wanted to do all all along. Okay. So that was in and, the works probably. And so so people always react to something the way they come out their own bag. So this administration um, doesn't have the same perspective of what needs to happen to change the police culture mm-hmm. as do my clients. Right. And so they came out, so they're trying to frame this as a, a response as a reaction and it was
0: one of the advocate like in the list of like dozens of recommendations in the in that report one of them was further training and facilities for the police so it is like technically one of the things that was
2: but but again there's a there's a difference between just building academy or a facility and changing the training yeah Yeah, for sure um so yeah no i mean this gets into like
1: you know the for those who've heard our Miriam Kaba episode, the like divide between like reformist reforms and non-reformist reforms. So uh, a change that is more reactive, right? More to like reestablish the power as it is versus a change that exactly. will will restructure or transform or create new institutional possibilities. And the exactly.
0: reformist reform means as is very clear in this case, just literally investing the resources in the same structures that you're trying to reform. So Correct. rather than that money going somewhere else, going more into that.
2: And, and, and I will tell you this, I, I asked a lot of people over the last four or five days, what their understanding of this issue was since, you know, I, I became a mm-hmm. part of the public face of it. You're doing uh, press
0: now. Look at this. Uh, <laughs> <press now. Right.
2: laughs> um, and, and that, that argument about priorities about budgetary priorities is a is is an impactful argument that Mm -hmm. no cop academy coalition folks are making because that is your priority if you spend 95 million on a building that's a greater priority than if you're spending on education or jobs or Mm -hmm. whatever what have you and people get that yeah even people who are pro you know pro more policing they get that this is a budgetary priority question
0: yeah the, the the numbers help sometimes yeah like when it's not an issue of you know things getting framed around people being good or bad, but it's literally a question or philosophically, you right? know, it's like just
1: the 40%. Right. It's
0: why conversations around investment and divestment like that is a, an effective like battleground to have the conversation, even let alone to like do the the actual advocacy and, and legal work. So to kind of take a zoom out for a sec um, and, and into, you know, you mentioned the other work that happens to sustain this kind of thing Um I know there's kind of been a a physical space that has become a home for that, both for the law office and just the Westside Justice Center in general. Um, can you give maybe a little bit of context on physically where y'all are and in terms of how y'all imagine your roles as a, you know, I use institution in the positive way. Sure. Um, what are y'all doing? Where are you? Who are you?
2: Yeah, I appreciate that because it's actually kind of, multifaceted. So it started off as just the building where Schiller Prayer Law Offices, which is our civil rights immigration mm-hmm. criminal defense firm, and Burton Associates, which is a criminal defense and, and family law firm, we just wanted a facility on the west side where we could do that work. Then we brought in some other solo practitioners um who did some who do some landlord tenant stuff, who do uh Social Security, and we had an intern who said, you know, this is kind of like what they do in New York with the Bronx defenders, the Brooklyn defenders, mm-hmm. where they do do holistic legal defense. BX all day. <laughs> and 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 the reason that's important is I think that's one of the three main reasons New York, New York's crime and violence rate is so much lower than Chicago. Mm. Because what they mean by holistic legal defense is if you're a criminal defendant and you have an immigration issue, a credit issue, a housing issue, a family law issue, they help resolve all mm-hmm. of those issues. Mm-hmm. So we then created a nonprofit in the building whose job is to kind of leverage the private yeah. um, firms to help do some pro bono work that provides holistic defense. Yeah. Because if you're somebody, if, if you're, for, you know, basically if you have mental illness or a drug addiction, then you're probably in the criminal justice system and shouldn't be. And then most of the rest of the people are people who have other real legal issues, that, which if you can resolve, they wouldn't be in the criminal justice right. system. So that. That was the West Side Justice Center initially. But then we developed even a larger community. So I have relationships and have been working for the last four years with First Defense, which does a police station representation. And we've been working jointly to try to get some things changed with the county and city in terms of police station representation. We've been very successful. We. We got a general order from the chief judge. We got the PD to create a unit. We're still working on the city, mm-hmm. which has been recalcitrant to, to force the police to do it. So we have First Defense now in the building. You have the Chicago Community Bond Fund, which bonds mm-hmm. folks out. And we've been doing, a, a, I've worked with them since Dead day up. one. Yeah.
1: Out, CCBF,
2: um, And so we've been working with them on on, on some, some stuff behind the scenes and policy stuff. And then you have Moms United, uh, which works with incarcerated mothers. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up adding a bunch of other professionals. So now we have a community that is centered around not just um uh legal advocacy um but also policy advocacy and movement advocacy. Yeah. And it's just a it's a real nice thing. And we have the Movement and Justice uh, Gallery which right. presents yeah. uh which currently is doing the Black Panther Party we will be doing something with Free Right uh, in the fall. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh so yeah, it's and you, have, you have done Free Right stuff We did Free times, Right, yeah. yeah. So we we try to create a nice little community.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned pieces of that initial model coming out of examples from New York, but for kind of this overall thing of, you know, there's a gallery and, and and all of these different needs being met and different folks doing different work. Is that a thing that you've observed in other spaces kind of working in this way? Or is it something y'all are making from scratch?
2: We're making from scratch as we go. Yeah. We we we're just pulling it out of our bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> so but, well, I'm just really
0: happy
1: to have you. I always, uh, <laughs> did
2: the business. yeah, um,
1: I, 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 uh, and I think we'll, we'll stay where we are, but I just, um, always appreciate kind of your, your, your presence and calm and your support and the way that you occupy uh space and, and show up. And I, it just always makes me have a lot of curiosity because it's like uh, the, the work that I see or observes just seems so tangible and so technical in the way that like Kiss was talking about how there's different roles and like You're on the legal side, more the big picture and like on the the microphone or at all the meetings. And it's much more like philosophical. I'm always curious um, for those who are approaching the work in a more like pragmatic, technical and to be honest, probably like more on the ground. Like you just hear more of like the raw impact of what people are going through, Um, where you're Perspective or where even your comfort is on on approaching the big picture political stuff—is that even something you have the space to do? Or is that compromise your ability to kind of like focus on the here and now?
2: No, I, I think I think we want to do the big picture political stuff, and and this is just meant to feed it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, we're, tar- we're we're we have plans for big picture political stuff mm-hmm. as we speak. So, I talked about how we worked with the Chicago Community Bond Fund. A little bit more context. And one of the things we worked on was bond reform, and, and we played a role kind of unofficially behind the scenes working on getting a, a, some bond reform done. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what ended up happening was it was six new judges um, moved over to the Central Bond Court, 26 in California. Um, and, you know, I can say this out loud. These six judges were better than the previous six judges. <laughs> um, and but two of them had an election, uh, had to run in on march 20th primary and so i worked with some other people and created something called the judicial accountability pack and we worked really hard we worked with both of them but we we really focused on one particular race because we thought it was a harder race and that was judge Dave navarro latino man running in the western suburbs against an attorney named carolyn golden a white woman with a better name who had all the institutional support um and we were able, the Judicial Accountability Pact, I think, played a big role in getting Navarro to win by 15 points Mm-mm. in a conservative Western subcircuit. Um, so we realized the power of a, ju- of a Judicial Accountability Pact because um, because judges can't talk about issues um, and judges can't talk negatively about other judges. And for the most part, people are not informed about judges. Right and they 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 want to be informed
1: what do you mean judges can't talk about issues
2: so judges by based on the rules of in illinois in yeah. most states but in illinois they're not allowed to discuss where they stand on issues <laughs> When wow. they run so it 's a weird political campaign yeah
0: so what's the what becomes the basis for the for the campaign well, if you can 't have a platform
2: exactly so but that's why <laughs> that 's why a, a pack is so powerful because yeah. a PAC can say whatever it wants to yeah. say about the judges, so the PAC becomes very powerful, and what we 've seen over the last few years. Nationally, is this real important focus on prosecutors? You know, and and Sean King and 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 Josie Duffy Rice and them, and they're doing a really good job focusing on prosecutors. And we've seen very good prosecutors, you know, as prosecutors go, um, you know, uh, win across, including here in Cook mm-hmm. County, win across the country, right? Mm-hmm. But there's there's still no focus on judges, yeah. and judges are the one who make the decision every day. Yeah. And I can tell you this: we took the Cook County State's Attorney data um, on sentencing that that Kim Fox released a few months ago, and mm-hmm. we did an analysis. And what we see is a huge implicit bias yeah. across the board and amongst a variety of judges. <laughs> so I'm going to use this radio show this is- to make an announcement.
0: Be-be-be-be! Exclusive.
2: But I'm going to give you all the exclusive. Wow. The Judicial Accountability Pack has decided to focus on one judge for the November retention ballot, okay. and we're gonna we're gonna tease this out a few minutes before I name right, that okay. judge. All right, and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna explain what the retention ballot is. Yeah. So there is approximately 400 and some full circuit judges in Cook County. These are mm-hmm. judges who ran for election either in a subcircuit county wide and won. Mm-hmm. Once you win, you don't have to run again against somebody. Every six years, you run for what's called retention.
0: Mm. So there's no opposition. You just—it's a referendum. It's a referendum it's a on, a referendum
2: you, on yeah. the on the person. There hasn't been a judge who's lost for retention in 28 years. <laughs> 28 years. Well, they
0: must all be doing a great job then.
2: Um, and in fact, there's only there was only one cycle in the last 40 years where judges have lost for retention. Because what happened was a couple of racist judges got knocked off on a retention ballot in the late 60s. And then in the we'll early 70s. <laughs> and exactly, they've cut a deal with the Democrat Party in the late 70s, and the Democrat Party has spent money every year to endorse the judges running on retention ballot. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what happens is every two years in November, one third of the judges, approximately one third of the judges, run for the retention ballot. And what it is, is their names get listed, and you either vote yes or no. And you have to get 60% of the yeses. And believe it or not, they always get 67% right. of the yeses. So there's going to be about 60 judges on the retention ballot this November. Um, and we think it's high time that one unqualified racist judge get knocked off on the retention ballot. We, we knocked off Anita.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: It's now time to dump somebody. Yeah. And we have, there's a judge currently sitting. In Cook County, at 26 in California, who, as a state's attorney, played a role in covering up the false confessions and false identifications that a detective named Ray Guevara did on people. Mm. This is a judge sitting in a bench in Cook County who has had four serious overturned by appellate courts where he made very bad decisions as it related to young black or brown man. Mm. This is a judge who, when a white officer came in front of him, a white officer who took a a white woman's face and smashed it against a cement bench Mm -hmm. in a suburban police station, smashed it causing reconstructive surgery, sentenced that white officer to one-year probation. But when a 19-year-old black man got charged with possession of marijuana within a school, sentenced that person to three years— Mm. So smoking a joint for this guy, if you're black, gets you three years. Smashing a woman's face if you're white and a cop gets you one month, one year probation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One year probation.
0: Yeah. Say the name. His, What's his <laughs> name?
2: See, <laughs> you, you, we're you getting, we're getting there. We're you, building up. You, you got, got me. Like I like
0: it. <laughs> you need so a podcast. this
2: yeah. is a judge that should not be on the bench. Yeah. This is a judge who has proven over the past 12 years he shouldn't be on the bench. His name is Judge Matt Coglin. He's at 20. Matt Coglin. Matt Coglin.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you already don't like him? Ugh.
2: So that is who we're targeting. <laughs> yeah. The judicial accountability pack is going to raise funds, is mm-hmm. going to spend money and is going to ask you to vote no on mm-hmm. Matt Coglin.
1: You hear that, Matt Coglin? We're coming, we're coming for-, for you in these streets. It's, it's <laughs> on. I've been watching Flex interviews lately. <laughs> yes. If you want smoke, we a chimney, Matt Coglin. What's up?
2: And,
0: and it's all hope. That was the pride of my life. That is there going in a nutshell right there. Yeah.
2: I, so I don't really actually know what's going on now. I'm gonna pretend like I do. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we'll send you some Funk Flex interviews there to get you caught up.
2: But so the, so that's who we're targeting. And and the hope and plan is is that all the community groups, the, the activists, the young activists, and the old activists. We've been talking to a bunch of folks. Will join this campaign because. If you knock off one person off the retention ballot, it sends a message to everybody. Yeah, no, yes.
0: Nobody's invincible, yeah. and that there are people watching. Yeah. So, just one quick follow up question on that: If he does get knocked off, then is it the to fill that
2: seat? It's an appointed position. So, there's retirements all the time. Yeah. Um, what happens is it gets appointed, but they that person th- there still has to be an election by the mm-hmm. net, the twenty twenty.
0: Okay. Cool. Um, So so yeah, before we jump into other stuff, as this gains momentum, one, continue to send us info, we'll be happy to, you know, we do announcements up top, happy to share and try to galvanize folks. But is there anything uh, specifically around that, that at this point you'd love for people to engage on besides
2: just knowing the name? So um, we're, we're still trying to put together the pieces and organize it. There's obviously a lot going on in the world. But um, we plan on having a packet that we're going to distribute to the bar associations and the newspapers in a week or two Mm -hmm. about him. Um, and if you're interested in participating, and my hope is, is that the Judicial Accountability Pack will be the vehicle to find some funding for the campaign and to find and to do some of this technical stuff, the research, yeah. but that eventually a real coalition that's completely separate from us of community organizations mm-hmm. will head this campaign, kind of like the Bayonita campaign. Exactly. And so, you know, that's, there's no structure to that that hasn't happened yet. Right. I've talked to a lot of the community groups. I've talked to to Damon. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. down. <laughs> um, and, and so we that just yes, has that's to, that's true. <laughs> so that just so at some point that's gonna hopefully happen in the next yeah. few weeks, and then once that happens, anybody who's interested should just talk to
0: yeah,
2: just just try to contact us. So
0: we obviously jumped right in once you got up here, and I feel like one we're never gonna run out of things that you're doing because you do a million things that are equally as important to this and and pull you in a bunch of different directions. But I want to go back and give a little bit of, not give, get a little bit of context on who you are and how you found your way uh, to this, to this moment and this life and these priorities, you know, my whole context for you in addition to just seeing you out places has been through Brittany who shot Ergo alum and who I've known since I moved to the city. And, um, you know, I don't have any particular uh like like uh scandalous stories to have you confirm or, or or deny. Um but you know it's very clear from one the way she talks about you and also just the way she writes about you. Uh just the the kind of like kindness and attention that you bring to the world. So um and, and connecting that in lineage to your mom as well. So Let's just start with the the who, what, where, when, why, the sights and the sounds. Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, what was the you know the block, the neighborhood? What did it smell like? What did it look like?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in Uptown uh, in the seventies and eighties. Um, I spent the you first have to pick
1: one. 70s and eighties.
2: <laughs> when <laughs> did you grow and when were you growing?
1: Right. No, I'm joking. I'm
2: still growing. Um, sure. So uh, I was. I spent the first. Seven years of my life in a little bit of a commune situation. Mm-hmm. Uh it was the the Jews trying to uh organize the hillbillies in uptown around with the Black Panther Party. So you can imagine what that looked like. Um, <laughs> it's and- an
0: interesting potluck, what that sounds like.
2: <laughs> and then, you know, uptown in the um uptown in the in the seventies and eighties was an interesting place because it was actually f- fairly mixed racially with a lot of racial tension at the right. same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and it was fairly mixed uh by economic class with a lot of class tension. So it, it it's it's not um it's not a scene that you'll see in many places in this day and age. Yeah. Um and, and so that in and of itself was interesting. And then obviously um I was being raised by all these um radical lefties who then figured out some type of political acumen. Right. Um, because what the party decided in the early 70s, mid-70s was that they wanted to get political control. And actually, where that came from was in Oakland. They wanted to get control, they wanted to run for mayor okay, so that they right. could get control of the mm-hmm. port, right? right? But then they copied some of that here in Chicago. And my mother ran for Alderman uh first in 78 in a special election and lost, then 79 and lost. But then she eventually ran to be Harold Washington's 26th vote in 1987. And she won mm-hmm. an award that was, again, very diverse and divisive, both racially and economically.
0: But the tensions that exist on the macro across the city and across the country like, are happening on block by exactly. block basis. here, Which is a little different from how it is in other parts of the city where it's more neighborhood by neighborhood. or right. The dividing lines are longer or bigger. So, you know, for those who don't know who your mom is was in the work that she you know it's an incredible story but you know we we like to go to the personal here so when you think about her what are a couple whether it's moments or just kind of like ideas that that she means to you
2: um oh that's that's an interesting and tough question (laughs) uh so um i mean obviously she was an activist so that's a double-edged sword right Mm -hmm. uh you know and like I said, I spent the first six, seven years essentially in a commune, so that's mm-hmm. a double edged sword. So, there, so she, um, and it's double edged sword in two ways, they're each their own double edged sword. So, in one, so that's a lot of edges. right? She, so, so you know, in some ways, she, like me, she was more, uh, more worried about the world as a whole, yeah, than at the time I thought she should be, right? Yeah, um, but that also that gave me a lot of examples to follow.
1: Is that reflect Um, in how you checked in about how you're treating the world? Is that kind uh, of like uh, a parallel to uh, a little bit,
2: a little bit, but I also believe it or not, kind of made a conscious decision, uh, both when it comes to Britain today and to justice, that that actually ended up being more positive than negative that, that you need to give people the freedom to develop their own wings mm-hmm. and as long as you're behind the scenes with support even if they right. can't see you if you know you're there that you ain't never going to let them die even if you let them drown a little bit right, right? right. um i actually think that's the best way to raise somebody mm-hmm. um and so uh cuz it just gives you a lot more strength in the end
0: but there's a difference between standing behind someone when they can't see you and not paying attention right and those and so it's you know it's a delicate balance
2: again right but so I so again as it relates to my mother, she always paid attention. Right. And as it relates to the, me and the way I made some conscious decisions, I paid attention. But I tried to try to stay yeah, away. Loud yeah. space, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, but um, I mean, I have a lot of um, memories as it relates to my mother, just standing up and being the only one who was fighting at yeah. times when, uh, at times when nobody else would stand with her. You know, it, it, I, when I look back at last week on the uh, on the No Cop Academy, and, and and honestly, I get that there's honest disagreement that that there's legitimate reasons to believe that this training facility will improve training if that, if that's what you believe. But the lack of um, the lack of bravery to to just listen and acknowledge other arguments on the other side, and the willingness to shut down debate because you're afraid of that. Mm-hmm. um it is you know i i there's some there's some stuff missing from the city council yeah, that yeah. that I would see that that my mother would have stepped into it, and that's frankly why I appreciate Carlos i mean yeah, me and Carlos yeah. don't get along necessarily we're not friends I don't know yeah. him. That well, I've met him two yeah. or three times. It sounded
0: like you were about to start beavering. Yeah. Right? No, <laughs> we don't get along. No, no, I mean, like don't get that, along at I, don't, all. I don't
2: I've only met him two or three right. times. It's not that we don't yeah, get along. Yeah, yeah, I don't no know idea, him. Yeah, yeah. We're not like I don't know him like that. I but just the know image him. of one person right.
0: standing when everyone else has just
2: whatever they think, they're still sitting. I, I gotta respect that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um yeah. and that and for a lot of time during the nineties. So the 90s, the 1990s, when I was grown after the 70s and 80s, <laughs> was about Michael Jordan, Oprah Winfrey, and my mother sa- standing up to everybody else saying, I'm going to stand here even if nobody else will hmm. and fight for a variety of issues.
0: What were some like examples or moments where she was the only person standing that stick out of your mind? And again, we're not interviewing her, I'm, but I'm curious for you how you think about these things.
2: Sure. So this wasn't a moment where she was the only one standing, but it was a moment where, um, where she actually used the system to trick the powers that be, and it's rare, and it's why I like playing all the games I play. Right. <laughs> so everybody knows that there was apartheid during the eighties, uh, really in South Africa. <laughs> Not everyone. <laughs> okay. And there was a, a there was a movement right. amongst yep. big cities to try to disinvest. Right. right. Um, and she's the one who introduced the ordinance in the late eighties and early nineties to disinvest here. And she happened to introduce at the time that I was a high school dropout working for a lefty newspaper called Auschwitz a news. Mm -hmm. So I got to go down to city hall and cover her Mm -hmm. as a older teenager. Um, And I witnessed her outmaneuver Ed Burke and nobody, everybody, nobody outmaneuvers Ed Burke, right? He's the parliamentarian master. Right. And he had thought he had locked her into a corner so that the anti-apartheid ordinance here, the disinvestment ordinance here wouldn't pass, Mm -hmm. and she outmaneuvered him, and she outmaneuvered him after he thought, and I I don't even remember all the details, I don't want to get into them. But she juke
0: left, right, (laughs) and spun right.
2: Yeah, And she did it while her whole offensive line had sat down, because while she had the support of the progressives at the time, and the blacks at the time, and Latinos at the time, um, when they thought that that Burke had outmaneuvered her, they all kind of took a step back, Mm -hmm. and she reversed it on him, mm-hmm. um, while standing alone. And then they got that passed. And so, so it
0: did pass. I just don't know the history. That's yeah. Passed? So,
2: so Chicago wow. passed an, 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 anti-apartheid ordinance that completely disinvested that basically said the city wouldn't put at the time, any money in any banks that were in South Africa. They wouldn't contract with any corporations that were in South Africa. And it was, and this happened post Harold Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, uh, it, it was, a big deal for yeah. it to happen when it happened. And it was one of, we, you know, it was one of, it was part of the larger movement that resulted in um, eventually uh, apartheid falling, I think.
1: So we obviously have to get through through it brief, but I, I hear high school dropout where, where, ha- and then, and we see you now as a lawyer, right? So, like, that's
2: obviously like a big. At some point, there was some story. more school. In the middle. <laughs> um, so when, when there was school, I paid for some things. <laughs> I got a degree. I'm not sure if I attended <laughs> anything. But <laughs> but like, was, there was an envelope with a diploma, <laughs> right. said, yeah. Yeah, right. but I
1: definitely <laughs> hear the foundation of like growing up in a commune. You say like the, the radical left was like a nurturing environment for your your mother as a bold progressive politician working for community. When did then you get activated and see yourself? using law as your way to participate or your way to continue certain legacies.
2: Yeah. So when I got out of Cal- so it so eventually I got my GED, I did a bunch of stuff in the neighborhood with folks we grew up with. Um, actually, so in the early 90s and um with Jacinda Hall and shut out and, and, out and Jaquanda and Anton Miglietta and Jason Yolich and John Yolich and the, both Chorings and, and about 10 other people we grew up with in Uptown, we created a bunch of programming. We use the fact that uh, I love
0: this lineage stuff here. This is great. Go on. Yeah.
2: So what happened was here's the here's the God's honest truth. Roddy King gets his ass beat, there's a riot. Me, Anton, Tone, and Jason are smoking a joint and saying, Hey, I bet we can get some money because of this to do basketball programs. <laughs> <laughs> so we then apply because Roddy King guys asked me and there's riots. We apply for some money. Somebody gave us 25 grand. We do um some basketball programs at Chase, and we do something called the Rise and Shine program at Stockton, which is now Courtney, where Rach Jackson teaches, mm-hmm. and we do, and that eventually becomes the Youth on Youth program which uh, goes to a ride, which eventually becomes Uplift School. Wow. Um, and so we do all this programming with about 20 of the cats I grew up with. And so that's what I'm doing. And then that I, that all kind of happens. And most of, most of those people I grew up with become school teachers or do things like Kumba Links. And I didn't want to do any of that. Because that takes a commitment to going to work every day of day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the thing about school. Ah, you got to
2: show I,
1: up. I, I feel. I feel we are kindred in this. How do so, be impactful without there, doing it every day? There was a
2: reason I was a high school dropout. <laughs> Can I there's, be part-time impactful? It's like two or three. I only want to work two or three days a week, Right. <laughs> So then I realized I could two or three days a week work could get me a GD and could get me into college. And in college, you only got work to it, yeah, 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 you're yeah. done by two in the yeah, afternoon, yeah, yeah. you're good. So that's what I did. So, but I got my college degree and I went back, got my GD, went to uh Truman College, went to Howard University. I come back in '96 and I, I get a full time job as the editor, Streetwise. And I realized, wow, I realize. They expect me to show up every day there, too. <laughs> so that lasted about a year and a half. Because the folks selling
0: it are showing up every day. Right.
2: I got to show up every day if I'm printing and publishing. So then I went and worked for a year at the Metropolitan Tennis Organization. Mm-hmm. Those cats expected me to show up every day. <laughs> and I realized, this everyday working thing. I need to go get a of <laughs> Plus. Because they got it easy? Is that what's your thought process? No. Plus. um. I mean, the other lesson learned from both TreeWise and Metropolitan Tense Organization is that's all harm mitigation. And that's even on a lower level than helping somebody out in criminal defense and civil rights. That really is being part of the system. Hmm. Um, and so the law degree really was to do the things I've been doing a lot the last year, which was this consent decree stuff, the no cop academy stuff. And I really thought that that was a way to be more impactful. Hmm. Have you been having to work every day? No, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did it. You
0: did
2: it. That's fantastic. I, although I work maybe sometimes all the time, right, but right, just right. Some,
1: but then it, yeah. it
2: can be sometimes all the time, it just can't be all
0: the time most of the time. And, and you can't can be say, I'm not tomorrow, right? And yeah. It's on my schedule, exactly.
1: Right. Even if you work 19 days in a row, you could say, I'm not working the next three days
2: because honestly, I believe human beings. Need the, need the ability to say you know what today i'm gonna stay in the bed we're or not today i'm not yeah exactly so yeah.
1: i you know this is this is dense so i'm gonna try to try to make it as compact as possible with this like last question because the, the story that i'm gathering right is like came up from a certain le- lineage in a certain community and have like figured out how to approach law as a way to like be against the system like you keep saying that's being a part of the system right um and so like my relationship to you i think i first really realized i saw your face a few times, but first really realized who you are when malcolm got arrested and kind of saw that okay these are the folks that show up. I might get arrested in some type of way, so, so let me at least make sure that they know my face and will like get a, show get a up phone for number me, or something. right? Um, and then probably about a, a year or so later, Freedom Square happened, and you know, you and the whole West Side just were, were just some of the most avid, like, consistent supporters. Everybody's like, "Who's the sharp guy that keeps showing up?" It's like, "That's the homie." Um, and so, I, I, I want to hear from the p- position of somebody who understands, like, actual twenty six in California on both sides when you hear folks like us talk about abolition, right? Like where does that sit for you? And what does that actually really mean or look like in your imagination as somebody who has, you know, I talk and teach about it, but I don't have near the like technical knowledge of what's going on in our day to day. How does that like sit for you in the biggest of pictures?
2: So how that sit for me is, is very helpful. So let me, let me, from a practical sense, explain why that's very helpful. What we've seen on a national level, as an example is a Republican Party and a country that's moved far to the right. And they moved far to the right because of organizing since 2010, 2009 by the Tea Party in reaction mm-hmm. to Obama. The Tea Party with some real st- far off the mainstream stuff created the space for the Republican Party to become xeno, truly xenophobic and racist, right? Mm-hmm. This Republican Party, the Trump Republican Party in 2018, could not have existed without that organizing out of the mainstream. Now, that may seem anathema to what you're asking, mm-hmm. but no, from no, my it perspective, it's the exact same thing. Yeah,
0: the vanguard pulls the, the
2: the center. Right, the vanguard pulls the center. So the it is a huge help on just both a harm mitigation and on a change level for me at 26 in California, for people out there pushing as a very practical level for people out there pushing police and prison abolition, that is a help. Even if you don't see it, even if other people don't recognize it. Um, when you when I start to talk to politicians and they say, "Hey, I pre this is this literally came out two different mainstream politicians miles last week. I appreciate the fact that you're doing the legal strategy for no cop Academy. At least you're not talking about police prison abolition. They would have never said that, right? Two three years ago, right? right yeah. So as a practical matter, um, <laughs> as a practical matter, that's a that's a real help.
0: So you think I'm bad? You should see these guys.
2: <laughs> for real, for real. Um, so, but then, as a as a realistic matter, let's have this philosophical discussion. It is a legitimate philosophical discussion to say, police and prisons have essentially been around in Western civilization for about seven, eight centuries, right mm-hmm. For basically as they exist now. what other social constructs, what other social policies um have been around for seven, eight centuries that still exist in the same form haven't evolved and haven't changed it is a legitimate, actual, honest, legitimate conversation to have. And then when you start to realize that with technology and change in science, that we understand that, for instance, at Cook County Jail, 83%, maybe more of the jail inmates are mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and 50 to 60% have, have substance abuse problems. When you start to get to the baseline, if you, if, if you accept that really what police and prison abolitionists are, are suggesting is that there's a multitude of, of solutions that aren't just lock them up, um, that that maybe that's right and that maybe if you start to really invest in those solutions really invest in 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 mental health really invest in drug addiction um really invest in in jobs and housing and changing the economics then maybe at the end prisons and police abolish themselves mm-hmm. um and so i i don't think it's a, an unrealistic conversation and i think it's an important conversation i think that um Obviously, when people first hear it, they say it's nuts, mm-hmm. but the more you say it and the more you talk about it in very practical and logical and rational ways, yeah. um, and then when you, when you take down the bits of it and the pieces of it and you explain it right. that way, there's the bond reform is going to eventually happen. We're eventually going to eliminate cash bail, mm-hmm. and that's a huge impact on mass incarceration, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's just logical. It just makes sense when you explain it. Yeah. So I I think um I I I think that at both a practical and a a, a meta level and a long term level um, the police and prison abolitionists are playing a very very important role right now.
0: So before we get out of here, you know, you mentioned that that being bond reform being an example of something that is logical, right? And you seem from our this conversation and the work you do like you are someone who is a Logical person in a system that has many pieces that are illogical, things that don't function, things that weren't designed well, things that just don't, where the pieces where even if you're able to connect the dots, they're not really set up to be connected and they just don't, things just don't work. How do you deal with that and not just live frustrated and angry?
2: Um, poker, sex and drugs. Yeah, in that order, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but but only legal drugs in Vegas yeah. or Colorado, where and only legal I'm not, poker yeah. in Vegas
0: or Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Good yeah. answer. <laughs> you want to play the game? I'll get the word, games? word. So I'm 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 excited for. So we just got we just went there, right? We went deep. We went to the personal. Uh, But now we're gonna get into the real important work before we get out of here. And we're all about accountability here at Ergo Radio. One game we like to play. Very simple question. Um, From any era. That is from pre-70s, sixties to today, if you're up on it.
0: From beef. before you were growing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we play beef with an RB singer. We we see the theory oh. is that RB has run amok yeah. over the last at least 25 years. And as we see, like this week included in hip hop, if you're out of bounds, right? <laughs> oh. There's built-in accountability. <laughs> and we are taking that burden here for RB. Wait, because- don't don't
2: you feel at least a little bad for Drake because it's a different cultural uh it's a different cultural standard in this country than it is in other countries, or you don't feel that at all?
1: That's probably a bigger part of why I don't feel that, because if you're not connected to the culture and the history of it, then you're, it's, it's not it it's way. not for you to reclaim, right. right? So so like let's experiment with it. And I think the big point is how he is occupied since he's been in public space. Even if he's Canadian, he operates as a Black sure, American star, sure, sure. and he is not. He he's had the space to engage where he could like have reconciled that history of like, right. Oh yeah, I was trying to be on some like little brother bamboozled minstrel show, right, you know, right. critical analysis. And this so when Tamir Rice dies, and we're right. like, or when all these rappers are out here cooning you know right. so that's Drake
2: anyway sorry Go ahead. <laughs> also I mean they
0: the... definitely have rap beef in Canada that's
1: definitely a thing there. and they definitely have racism yeah. in Canada too. okay,
0: okay, okay. Yeah. but to, to the nitty so gritty here beef the, with an R&B, R&B singer.
1: singer even though yeah. Drake is
0: R&B adjacent um, you could use that as your answer if you have a, a formal reason I don't really have
1: beef no R&B singers irritated you over the years I'm trying to think Um, think no. of those think of those 80s <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um okay how about Marvin Gave just for getting so so dark Um, you mean like in what in what elaborate so so i i love marvin Gaye, Mm -hmm. um and 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 obviously he died tragically but i so but his first what you know he was he was a he started off as just a distraction and a and a and a guy who made music you could make love to even though we were we were all you weren't born and i was barely born right (laughs) um uh but then at some point the world got him so so depressed that Mm. his music turned real dark and when you listen to um, the second half of his music, you just want to slit your wrist. So, so just because he wants to make me slit it, slit my wrist, I'm gonna ah, go with Ma- ah, Marvin wow. Gaye. He
1: stopped lifting the people. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that catalog. I've never yeah. heard that.
2: Uh-huh. I've
0: never it's heard amazing. it framed that way. Yeah. I like that.
1: I'm gonna uh-huh. check that it's a out. Real
0: learning moment. And Thank you, you. you really framed your argument in a clear, concise. <laughs> Injections Let's get out of here. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so right. much Thank for being you. here. How can people support? Is there the any, work any you social do media folks to
1: follow? Yeah, so we
2: have we have the West Side Justice Center. We have the Judicial Accountability Pack. It's both on twitter and on facebook I, I really want people to start following the judicial accountability pack because once we get this campaign up and running hopefully in the next few weeks um it's i think really important to, to dump matt matt coglin sure. we're coming for you
1: matt coglin
0: we're at ergo radio everywhere we'll be back next week with another conversation showcasing and celebrating chicago
1: much love to the people
0: peace hey whoa what's up I'm uh, feeling a little funky. Okay. I'm just, I'm coming to terms with this ergo sells out type thing. Oh yeah, man. We got We got to get this money. We got to let the people know who's making things. Well, if you're wondering who we're supported by in this new cold, cold world, (laughs) ergo is supported by Simplecast. Shout out Simplecast. If you want. Simplecast makes podcasting easy, affordable, and uh, downright friendly. Friendly. (laughs) That didn't sound very friendly. Use the promo code Chicago (laughs) to get 50% off your first three months.
1: Yeah. Simple cast. Yeah. Yeah.